This is episode 55 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World. We're talking with Gary Wilson from YourBrainOnPorn.com. And the headline of the website is, Evolution Has Not Prepared Your Brain for Today's Internet Porn. Is this true, Gary, or are you making this up? Well, <laughs> is it true or is it make, making up? Well, I think it's true because what we're seeing are effects that are quite unusual that one would not expect. One of the major effects and one of the major reasons that young guys, when I say young guys, I say guys in their late teens and in their 20s show up at my website and many of the other websites uh, linked to my site, is that they are having sexual problems. Some of them have erectile dysfunction. Some of them have delayed ejaculation. Some of them have the, cannot reach orgasm. Uh, with another person. Some have morphing sexual tastes. So I don't think that evolution prepared us to do this because it's not normal for a 22-year-old to not get excited by a real-life hot girl, which is what they describe. They cannot. So that's one aspect that tells us that perhaps we weren't meant to sit in front of a computer screen with, tw- with 10 tabs of video porns op- porn open and clicking from one to the other and watching all sorts of crazy stuff that our ancestors never, maybe never ever thought of. Mm-hmm. And so some of the issues are, it's, it's really, um, it, this is really intriguing to me, it's a quality and quantity issue because via the internet. And we're talking about a physical, not psychological problem. Or, well, we are, and or psychological, I should say. Yeah, uh, let's go to the quality and quantity. Sure. So certainly, and then there's the age dependent. So the quality is, now if I go back to my uh, youth, I don't know how old you are, and I got a picture of a Playboy centerfold, and I'm 13, and I look at her, I'm looking at boobs and a butt, and what am I thinking about? Am I thinking about... Uh, gang bang? Am I thinking about triple penetration? No. I've never seen those things. As a 13-year-old, I'm thinking about touching this woman, maybe, or just looking at her and getting a wreck. However, when you have young guys who are starting at 12 or younger and watching videos of crazy stuff, video after video, it is replacing their imagination. They don't think about what they're going to do. They don't think about looking. They are seeing the sex acts uh, hardcore style. So that's the quality. Videos replacing one's imagination or fantasizing. The other one is quantity. Is We know it's a huge quantity out there. And the availability, of course, is 24-7, especially if you're a young kid who has his laptop in his room or has an iPhone. And we hear reports all the time from guys who are quitting porn how their friends at high school are just passing around the iPhones and watching it during lunch or watching it before school or watching it after school. So that is a quantity uh, of, of amount. It's this constant novelty, whereas maybe I ha- 
got a hold of my dad's Playboy and could only look at one issue, they can look at endless novelty just in one session after dinner. So that's that's a real change in the last few years. Mm-hmm. You really needed high-speed porn to do this. You couldn't sit there with the dial-up and have a picture take you know 10 minutes to download of a movie star. That'd be it. So it's really a quality qualitative and quantitative change mm-hmm. in the stimulus. And so it's this novelty issue that is kind of one of the driving forces? Yeah, so novelty, we get rewarded, not rewarded, but we get a hit of dopamine with novelty. And that, that's what makes the internet so exciting, is we can click from, forget porn, Facebook. There's nothing new about pictures, and there's not, nothing really new about words, but when you combine them into a medium where you can control through a mouse uh, your excitement level by clicking to something new when the current object is boring, this is something new. This goes beyond uh, flipping channels. This is really something that we never evolved with. So we can sit there and go through Facebook and look at pictures and read words and do this for hours. And each little click gives us a little hit of dopamine. Now, you multiply this by having, instead of Facebook pictures, you have porn videos, and you have a 13 or 14-year-old, and you have masturbation included, and now we can see the potential for high dopamine, high excitement. Uh, Yeah, it's very high, and Mm -hmm. very enticing. That makes sense? Yeah, so where does the breakdown occur? What what happens if we're just hyper-stimulating? Um, where does this go wrong? Well, back to the psychological and to the physical. So certainly someone can become addicted to porn. And when you become addicted to anything, whether it's drugs or uh, junk food or maybe gambling or video games, you have a shared set of brain changes that occur. That doesn't mean that cocaine is like porn. It means they share a very specific set of brain changes that cause you to want to compulsively use, uh, have the inability to control use, to crave this. And that's what can occur with either behavioral addictions or with chemical addictions. So that could happen in the addiction realm. But You don't have to have addiction to actually wire up your sexual response to internet porn. And we see that's happening with young kids and with some older guys. So wiring up means that if you get a reward, if you get dopamine, you get an orgasm, the brain releases a chemical. It's called delta B. And it wires in that memory. It's like a Pavlovian memory. It's deep and it's unconscious. But it makes that event more exciting. And the more you do it, the more the stimulus, like internet porn or whatever type of porn you're watching, gets wired into your brain. Now that then can become more exciting because the nerve cells are really communicating and they're releasing a lot of neurotransmitters and they're tightly wound together and that can become more exciting than the real deal or it can also 
what can happen is someone can develop fetishes. For example, they can be watching lesbian porn for a while, several months, maybe a year, and get bored. And while they're masturbating, they can click on something new and exciting. Maybe it's gangbang. Maybe it's cream pies. Maybe it's stuff I don't even know about. And that can get wired in because their brain was desensitized. It was numb. It was habituated to the original porn. And now it needs something more exciting. So then that gets wired in. And now the person has a fetish, whether it's a foot fetish or watching rape scenes, that's what gets them off in replacement of what would naturally get them off, which Mm -hmm. is real life. Mm -hmm. So that can happen too. That makes sense? Yeah, totally. So how does one... In other words, you can have have, uh, psychologically certainly that can happen where you uh, enjoy it, but Psychological and physical cannot be separated. Whenever you wire in certain habits or behaviors, these are physical changes in the brain. They're not purely psychological. So I just want to point that out. Sure. So should someone determine if they are addicted to Internet porn or should you just flatly avoid it or what's – What's the first step? Well, the first step, you mean in trying to determine if you have a problem with it? Sure. Well, the first step is the obvious step, and that's to stop. Just completely stop not only using porn, but fantasizing about porn. So if you're a guy and you use porn for masturbation, then you stop using porn, and you don't even think about porn if you continue to masturbate. Then you can see if it's a problem. If you have cravings and you want to continue to use, that tells you your brain has changed. Hmm. You shouldn't have cravings, severe cravings for something, unless your brain has changed. You can also, uh, guys give it up. You know, the guys that communicate with me or link to your brain on porn, it takes months for them to find out what they are like without porn. So the goal is to find out, you know, is this really my sexual taste? Do I really like what I'm watching? Is it me? That's one thing. Or, or, you know, how sexually excited am I with real women or real partners? So it's a learning process. And if they're, if they're really addicted, it'll take months because often they go through a loss of libido during this period. Uh, maybe a couple of months of it, and then they slowly come out of this loss of libido and they find their true libido and what really attracts them hmm. in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it would seem an appropriate step if you want to get the mate that's, pro- you know, that's appropriate for you. You yeah. wouldn't want to be hooking up with an actual human who's deeply in, you know, or into something that doesn't actually fit you. Yeah, and occasionally, you know, if you, uh, I'm connected to all these sites. I go out and read these forums where guys are discussing this. Mm-hmm. And it's true that uh, a small percentage are trying to act out what they see in porn in real life. Sometimes uh, they will go to prostitutes to act it out. Sometimes um, they'll try to act it out with their girlfriends. And it may be things that 
the girlfriend doesn't want to do, such as um, anal sex or have a third person in there. Mm-hmm. And they find that if they can eliminate porn, a lot of these desires fade. And the reason they fade is because they put themselves on a cycle, a cycle of needing a certain level of stimulation. Now, your, your listeners could probably relate to this. If you spend all your time going to McDonald's, you know, for breakfast and lunch and then out to Arby's for dinner, uh, some deer meat might not taste so good. So if you get off of junk food for several months and reintroduce something that is nutritious, it can start to taste good. But as long as you're on a junk food cycle, it's a little bit hard to uh, move into wholesome food. That's, so. that's pretty intriguing. And <clears throat> I notice this repeatedly in, um, some, in a lot of the audio and things I've read on your site. There, you often point to food, um, food addictions, and it has a, like a striking similarity or corollary to the porn addiction. Well, there is, and the reason we use food addiction be- is because there's many good studies now in the last three or four years on the brains of food addicts and, and on animals, where there isn't with porn. You can't have a monkey watch porn, and they haven't done any real in-depth porn studies, uh, studies on the brain of porn addicts. So both of those are natural rewards that we evolved to really get hooked on. We are addicted to food, right? And we have to have it. And we're not necessarily addicted to sex, but we certainly need to do it to reproduce like all of our ancestors have. So these are two natural rewards that every human, every mammal on the planet is extremely interested in and wants to do. So there are parallels. So it's good to talk about both of them. And, and, why it's so good now is because now we have super normal versions of both food in the form of junk food or corn chips or milkshakes or ice cream or lattes. And we have a super normal version of sexual stimulus, which is high speed internet porn. So there are some parallels between these two. Both of them are natural rewards that we want desperately and we need both to survive or to continue our genes. So now we have a supernormal version of both. And what we're seeing with, of course, junk food is an epidemic of obesity. And what we're starting to see with Internet porn is some other problems. Hmm. Yeah, I can see it would be really compounded if you had both addictions. <laughs> <laughs> well... Because then you're guess, then you have ED and you're obese and things are not looking good at that point. The most common uh, co addiction for the young guys is video games, uh, because a lot of them work out and lift weights and run. So uh, it, that's the other big one for them that they have to deal with. Video game addiction. Yeah, I hear this a lot. I hear generally, you know, internet addiction, but video games especially so. Yeah, because it's set up also for novelty, and novelty lights up the reward circuitry, and it's also for achievement, you know, different levels of achievement, and achievement also lights up the reward circuitry with dopamine. 
So it takes advantage of those two things, novelty and achievement, uh, to stim, you know, to really, and it's just, it's just fast moving, all the novelty mm-hmm. things happening all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing you asked is, is uh, I just want to mention, is I talked about sexual problems, and that's what brings most guys to quit porn. But when they do quit porn, especially the younger ones, some of them have some surprising benefits they experience. One of the most common ones is that their social anxiety lessens, if they had some, or their anxiety lessens, and their confidence increases. So those are two big ones. Another one is concentration. Their concentration increases, or if they had brain fog, that decreases. Uh, So those are very common. Sometimes depression lessens. But we, we see some other symptoms also remit and change, hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. How did you come across this, and you know what, what led you to pursue this? Well, it's the last thing in the world I wanted to do. And what occurred was my wife has a website and has had it for a long time, and it has a forum over there. Her site's called Reuniting. And we wrote a couple of books together, which had quite a bit to do with the neurobiology of sex and orgasm. And that, inclu- that involves the same mechanisms and circuits in the brain that govern addiction. So on her website, she had articles that had the words orgasm, sex, brain, addiction. And Google put that together. And guys started showing up about maybe six years ago or so on her forum writing and saying, you know, I'm addicted to porn. Can you help me? Hmm. Or I think I have erectile dysfunction from too much porn. Can you help me? And we're thinking, why are you here? Well, Hmm. Google put together their posts and more of them showed up and they started talking to each other and more showed up and they started healing from porn addiction and porn-induced erectile dysfunction. In doing that, they also started to see these other benefits, such as increased motivation, better concentration, less anxiety. We decided we had to write about it because there was this big gap between what you hear out there, that porn can never cause a problem, and what these guys were actually experiencing when they removed it. So since we write on Psychology Today, we wrote a few blog posts, and that made even more come to her site. And finally, her site filled up with all these guys and several articles about uh, recovering from porn and the brain science behind it. And she said, you know, my website's such a mess, you need to create another website. So, so about two years ago, that's what I did. I created Your Brain on Porn, thinking I'd just create a little website, put up some stories, put up some science, put up some articles. And I did, and all of a sudden, it blew up big. Hmm meaning there's a big problem in lots of other forums that had nothing to do with porn recovery, places like Reddit or um, bodybuilding sites or car sites or pickup artist sites started linking to my Your Brain on Porn site, and I got a lot of traffic, so I had to continue to write articles and update everything, and so that's where I'm at today. I've created a monster. Uh, 
Well, yeah, but it was a response, right? It was a response. Yeah. Complete response. Wow, that's amazing. It is, and and what we've seen, so just to back up a little bit, you know, the guys that showed up on her site six years ago were mostly high-tech guys in their 30s, maybe 40s, who were having these sexual difficulties. But once I developed Your Brain on Porn, the, uh, the demographics of the guys have changed. And how do I know it, that is that uh, several of these sites, the really big ones that link to Your Brain on Porn, have done surveys. And well over half of them, maybe 80% of the people trying to give up porn, are in the age group 15 to 25. So the demographics have completely switched from almost older, almost all older guys to almost all younger guys who grew up using the Internet. So it's quite a demographic change. Yeah, and you've mentioned before that part of this is because these youngsters have um, started with high-speed Internet, and it's yeah. a, a major quantitative difference between an older man, say he's 50, and started with dial-up internet, slow speed. And this actually makes a huge difference. It does. And the other reason we know is because the men, the older men in their late 40s and 50s, when they come up, show up with ED, they say that they didn't have any problems. They've been using porn for 20, 30, 40 years. They didn't have any problem until they got internet, and especially until they got high speed and were able to click from video to video. And that's when their sexual problems started showing up. And and the other change was the older guys could recover from porn-induced sexual problems within six to eight weeks really solidly, no problem at all. However, the younger guys who are showing up now need much longer, sometimes six months, sometimes nine months, sometimes a year to get their erections back. Now, this doesn't make sense when you think about it because a guy who's 22 is at his peak of health, mm-hmm. he's, has higher testosterone than a 50-year-old, he has higher dopamine than a 50-year-old, his blood vessels are better, I mean, he's just better at everything, and yet he takes longer to get his erectile function back and his sexuality back. So what this really points to is the vulnerability of the adolescent brain because its job is to rewire itself to everything sexual so it can reproduce. The old guys already had their real people circuits wired in there. They grew up imagining, you know, fantasizing to Mm -hmm. real girls. So that's that really shows us the difference between growing up on a super stimulus and or encountering a super stimulus later on in life. Do you have um a personal vendetta against porn? Period? Um do you think people it, it, it should not be used at all? Does it have a role for couples at all or or where are you, where are you at with that? Well, that's three different questions. Yeah, I I tend to do that. So that's just pick fine. whatever you want to talk about. Let's talk about the first one, Vendetta. Uh, no, I don't. I didn't care about porn at all, uh, and I really don't care about it now. I, I don't care what anyone does. I don't worry about the porn industry. People can make porn. People can use porn. I'm fine 
I'm all for free speech. I'm all for whatever you want to do. So, no, I'm not religious and I'm all for free speech. Now, let's go back to the other question you said. How about using it? Was that the other question? Yeah, I think I said something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that's a broad question because it involves several variables. The first variable is age, age dependent. And the second variable is what type of porn. So if I'm an 11-year-old, which is thought to be about the time the guys start really looking for it, and I'm watching extreme hardcore videos for seven for six years before I hold hands with a girl, <laughs> that's not appropriate. Uh-huh. It's it's just not age appropriate. It's not even appropriate for me, some of the stuff out there. I don't want to see it. So that's part of the age problem. Then there's the type of porn. So an eleven year old finds a picture of Miss November Playboy and sees breasts and a butt. That's nothing. That's not a big deal. So it's age dependent and and uh, content dependent is two mm-hmm. big factors. Uh, then you got to ask yourself, you know, if you're using it, you know, what's your purpose of using it? And is it going to interfere with what you want to do in real life? And that is the reason every single guy who uh, we're aware of at these forums, every single guy is quitting because it's interfering with their real life. And what that means is they are masturbating to porn rather than pursuing real women. It, it really takes away their mojo. It really kills it because you can always go home on Saturday night and fire up the computer and just do yourself with all these hot babes. So it's interfering with with that function. Now, if you're a couple and you are using porn, then you go, well, are we using it because our relationship isn't exciting enough? Because that's what you're doing when you say spicing it up. I'm looking at a screen and therefore I'm not getting my excitement from my partner. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. If that's fine, if all you want is excitement, that's fine. But it's really about your goals and is Porn interfering with your goals. That's the way I would look at it. Okay. I like that. It's very interesting. And I think it's uh, healthy and helpful, Um, non-judgmental. So I really like this approach. Well, I I have to be that way because that's the way I was before this. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my liberal, liberal parents, my dad was a sex educator. My mom worked in the psychiatric field. Same way with my wife, very liberal parents so that's just the way we are so we don't bring any judgment to it i know if i was god if i was 12 right now i'd be on the internet probably right after dinner looking for something mm-hmm, right. i mean i remember back to those ages my god i wanted to find out what was going on sure, sure. all i had was frogs and stuff and <laughs> of that, and i'm putting frogs together and it's like what what's the frogs doing right yeah so do you, you or your wife do you have um uh, credentialed background? Where, where, what's the story there? Yeah, in terms of credentials, I don't have any advanced degrees. I've taught anatomy and physiology and pathology for over 20 years, uh, both at vocational schools and at the local university at 
labs and physiology labs, anatomy labs and stuff. So that's what I've done. Uh, the big background, so I understand pathology, I understand physiology, I taught about the brain many, many times a year, so, so I, I was well versed in it. However, what, where my knowledge base increased was about 12 years ago when I married my wife and we decided to write about the neuroscience of sex and orgasm and bonding and love and relationships. So I've been scouring through all the science for 12 years now on all the things that go on in the brain during all these sexual events. And then especially since the guys started showing up about five or six years ago, I moved into really digging much, much deeper into the neurobiology of addiction. So having the background in teaching physiology and pathology for many, many years, I just transferred it to this subject. So my, wife, my wife's background is as a lawyer from many years ago. So mine's in teaching science, teaching oh, physiology. Interesting. So we're always talking about guys here. Yeah. What what's what's up with the women? They're not they don't fall victim to this? Uh, yes, uh they definitely fall victim to it. Uh there are women that report it, but the reason I always say guys cuz that's what I know about. That's pretty much who I'm in contact with. Almost 100% guys. Occasionally we will have women show up. Now, why do people stop using porn? Uh, you know, if you grew up using porn and all you ever know is using porn, you don't know what it's like not to use porn, so you don't know how porn's affecting you until you stop. So something really bad has to happen for you to stop. And what it happens for guys is their penises don't work. So that's an obvious sign. If you've got a limp dick, that's something's not working. Now, girls, they don't have that. Now, they may have less sexual desire, not be able to get off with their partners, but they don't have a limp dick. Mm -hmm. So the girls that generally show up, interesting enough, are largely uh, women whose sexual tastes have morphed. In other words, they move from maybe uh, straight porn, if they're straight, or lesbian porn, if they're lesbian, and now they're watching porn that doesn't match their original sexual taste or orientation. And they need that in order to get excited. And that is really disturbing to them. Now, those are the type of, of women, females, that I am aware of. Those are the ones that often show up on your brain on porn or on forums that link to it. Mm -hmm. So I guess the summary would be guys are really noticing problems. And they're also noticing and inter interfering with their excitement with women. And maybe women are having problems, but maybe it's, it's harder for them to recognize the problems. Because young guys can get, you know, we're naturally inclined to get an erection if the wind blows. So the girls may not notice it as, as much. So that's why I say guys, mm -hmm. that's the population. And I that's get. who you're hearing from. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. I had a question from on uh, via Twitter from Melissa, and she asked me something, and I had ne there was a word in there, and I had never even heard the word, so I Googled it. 
Uh-huh. Next thing you know, I discovered Coitus Reservatus and Caretza. <laughs> Are you using these techniques um, in teaching? Healing? In teaching? Healing? No. I'm not uh, teaching them, but it's a practice that my wife and I do. Is not, I wouldn't call it Coitus Interruptus. I would call it Caretza. And that's yeah, what Caretza. The, that's okay. <clears throat> right, so that's what her original forum was largely about, was discuss, discussing uh, sexual practices, ancient sexual practices, uh, and couples using them. And one of the major ones was Caretza, where the goal is not to orgasm. Uh, you don't grit your teeth and try not to. You just don't get to the edge. And we found a lot of harmony with that. Uh, but the pe- the people who show up on your brain on porn have no idea that we do that, which is probably just as well. <laughs> <laughs> They're just interested in their porn problems. Right. I see. I see. So that's where it all started on the website that where that was discussed and talked about. Okay. And so the Caretza idea is um, I don't know who came up with that, but there's this exists in many cultures, right? Like there's tantric sex and other versions and it's it's very similar in technique uh, or in the goal yes so it's shown up in several cultures uh Caretza comes from uh bunk, what's it bunker bunk, oh, alice bunker stockman stockham and she was an 18th century uh 19th century obstetrician and she wrote a book about it so that means caress in Italian. But, of course, this goes way back and, and can be found in many cultures. One of the most familiar sources might be Taoism. Uh, other sources, um, there's even supposedly Christian sources. Hmm. So it's something that has arisen throughout history that people have tried, both for spiritual reasons and for, getting greater, for having greater harmony in one's relationship. So it's something that couples try and see how it works for them. And it's an experiment. It's an experiment. I like this. Yeah, I was reading about um, Dr. Alice Stockham, and it's a pretty crazy story how she basically had to stop due to a court order teaching Caretza because of the work of Anthony Comstock. And he's mentioned in many... Any, just about any book about sexuality. Yeah. The Victorian you know, troublemaker. <laughs> I know. She was a troublemaker. Um, no, not her, but Comstock, you know. Well, I'm sure Stockham was a troublemaker, too, for <laughs> suggesting this. <laughs> right, right. I guess it depends on your frame of reference. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you go against the grain, you're a troublemaker. Slow sex, you can mention. Slow sex, yeah, there's slow sex. Uh, Diane Richardson just put out a book, Slow Sex. That's interesting, because slow food I'm I'm very fond of, and I love the entire concept, so I like this marriage. We're coming back to this food angle again. Slow sex, never heard of that. That's pretty great. Yeah, in fact, Diane Richardson, who wrote the book Slow Sex and has a video, she... uh, she got the idea for using the term slow sex from slow food because she read that book and really liked it. So there you go. Food and sex together. Two great things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow, this is really fun and time just flew by. Um, 
So let's let's talk about where do we point people to? Your website? Do you have a book or anything else going on? No, I definitely don't have a book. I never want to write a book about this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, of course, the website is yourbrainonporn.com. It's a non-commercial site. There's no ads, no nothing. So you can go there if you want to investigate things. There are some videos on the front page that might make learning easy. My TEDx talk is right up there. So it's a 16-minute talk. You can look at that. And I, I really encourage it for parents. I know parents might be a little bit squeamish and they can't believe that their son or daughter is doing this. But from all reports, since I'm in contact with young people, they're telling me that everyone does it. Now, I don't believe everyone does it, of course. But a large percentage of young people are investigating Internet porn. And I really want the adults out there to understand that this has no relationship to your experience of porn back in the 70s or even the 80s getting a single rental with the pizza delivery guy coming over and having sex with the lady. <laughs> this is completely different and it's young people accessing it and I think it behooves you to at least understand it because that's what the adolescent brain's job is to do, is to wire up to everything sexual in its environment so it can successfully reproduce. And if you have two competing pathways, one the real deal, and your son is imagining, imagining Sally in the class, or if he's masturbating to hardcore porn each night, let me tell you which one's going to win out that fight of natural selection, and that's going to be hardcore porn. Mm. That's one he's ejaculating to and getting all hot for. So I, <laughs> I suggest the parents at least get some education about this and take it from there. Yeah, that was something I thought about a lot because I have two young sons, the oldest seven now, and I, I'm a, I parent very unrestrictively. I mm -hmm. don't even have filters installed on the internet or anything. And now I need to reconsider, I think. And it, this is murky waters. Like, how, how do you manage this? How do you, how do you uh, cultivate, you know, exploration and freedom, yet block that entire segment? Well, you know, there's... Here's the interesting thing. The internet didn't exist 15 years ago, and everyone learned how to have sex and reproduce. And so I don't think there's going to be a big problem uh, with stopping kids from going to tube sites and clicking from video to video. I think we'll still be able to have sex and have a population. So I remember I actually looked at real girls, and I, I imagined real girls when I was a teen, and that turned out just fine. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about... Uh, stunting their sexual growth through this all right <laughs> so we'll point people to your site and i'm going to be spending a lot of time there because i find this really fascinating good good i have to get off the line because i'm having a, a cough fit coming on so i kind of okay, got well, go. it's great talking to you thank you very very much okay well you take care now okay bye-bye bye-bye <laughs>